0: The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Sam Unger Real Estate Team, powered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit samsellsorlando.net. What's going on, night fans? Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, and welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. I'm Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez, and uh, wow, here we are. We're through Christmas, and it is bowl time, baby. Yes, bowl time season
1: or whatever it's left whatever. of it. Yes, hallelujah.
0: <laughs> well, we're recording this. All right, we're recording this a little bit late. It's the um, today is the twenty ninth, um, because we are or at least a bunch of us, <laughs> are heading up to uh, Atlanta for uh, the bowl game, uh, for the Peach Bowl between UCF and Auburn. Um, and we are going to preview that uh, here. We're going to break down the football bit. And then uh, we are also going to have, for the UCF fan perspective, uh, our guest on this podcast is Jimmy Skiles, the Associate AD of Fan Development for UCF, who's kind enough to uh, kind of give us the – Lay of the land, if you're a UCF fan, you're heading up for the, uh, for the game on the 30th, the 31st, and the 1st. Um, bowl week up at the Chick-fil-A um, Peach Bowl between UCF and Auburn. So, um, Once again, don't forget, you can follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com where you can get all your UCF Peach Bowl preview information. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash and on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret. You can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. You can follow Eric at Eric Lopez elo. You can follow Brian Murphy at Spokes underscore Murphy, where he will be through, uh, He will be in Atlanta throughout the week. Uh, don't forget Derek nope. Warden uh, underscore DS Warden on Twitter, where he will have. Uh, he'll be actually shooting photos of the game, uh, which is great. I'm so glad that that, that those guys are going to be doing that. Um, and uh, and then and you got and then obviously we'll be live blogging the game as well with Brian captaining that from the Peach Bowl uh as well. Subscribe to this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud Stitcher and Tune In. And without further ado, let us dive in, Eric Lopez. Uh it is bowl week. Um Hallelujah. Uh here we are, right? We got one more week at go. God. And, yeah, uh, thank God. Let's yeah. just
1: move on. I feel like this game is just just hanging in there. I mean, don't even get me started how it's ridiculous that we're waiting well, three to four weeks to play well, a game. Well, before.
0: here we are, like, complaining about that, right? When, when you know, back in the day, like, if we played in a bowl game, it would be, like, one of the first bowl games there was. I remember the um, St. Pete Bowl that I covered in 2009 was, like, December 19th. Um, last year, the uh, Cure Bowl was one of the first bowls that there was. I think it was December 17th, wasn't it? So... You know, we got that out of the way before Christmas. And, um, you know, so, you know, I'm you're not going to hear me complain about
1: um, it's not not so much the UCF game. It's just the system in general. I mean, the bowl games have gotten. I mean, if we've seen anything so far uh, through these games is that these bowl games, there's too many of them. There's Mm -hmm. too many bowl games and there's a lot of bad games. So and there's not a lot of people going to these games. Uh, That's not the issue in Atlanta. But it's just kind of like it's funny to me, you know. Watching, you know, I've been watching a lot of games. Like the FCS has had their playoff, Division two's had their playoff, Division three's had their playoff. By
0: the way, they have like a two-week break between the semifinals and the championship game. Right? So you notice that, but yet,
1: right? And yet, somehow, Division One can't figure that out. Well, it, it's is, not that they can't; they just don't want to. <laughs> OK, thank you. That's let, no. I mean, I just wish people would be more honest about that. Like, just tell me the truth. You don't you know, don't give me this nonsense that you can't. Oh, I don't know. It's too much logistics. Or my favorite one is, oh, that's too many games for the players. So wait, that's too many players for Division one guys, right. but not for Division two right that's, that's why that, that
0: that whole argument was dumb when they were arguing against the, having a playoff in Division one FBS. Um, it was like, oh, oh, you're you're you don't want the FBS players to play more than 14 games in a season, but we're okay with 15, 16 for right. non scholarship, right? Division two players and Division three and all that. We're Correct. fine with that. That's that's preastrous, you know. Uh,
1: correct. So I mean, I mean, obviously, uh, I'm only bringing it up because I rather, right? To be honest, I wish that UCF would rather be playing Georgia right now in a playoff game, and maybe in in Atlanta, maybe even. Wouldn't we all? Uh, uh, well,
0: no, I wouldn't want to of, play Georgia in Atlanta in a playoff game. Trust me on that. <laughs>
1: well, I, well,
0: but I mean, that might happen though, right? It's kind of like college. Having covered is. Georgia in an, in a bowl game in Atlanta that's not the optimal situation if you're the other team.
1: <laughs> no, but although I think you'll see a lot of Auburn fans in Atlanta, but look, I mean that's True. um that's the system that it is and it it brings up the point of you know about this game and what's really at stake here. And obviously, I think for UCF obviously an undefeated season, a 13 and 0 record, I think is really at the priority at the list here as far as the importance of this game and what's at stake. I don't believe that the result of this game one way or the other changes the season do you I don't think if they lose it it hurts the season I don't think if they win all of a sudden this season just became great it's been a great year regardless
0: here's how I view it it. um if UCF loses the game it's kind of like the difference between all right so I got this delicious giant like Neapolitan ice cream sundae all right it's gonna be delicious one way or the other Um, If we lose, it's kind of like I get the ice cream. It's like, it's great. It's great. It's delicious. It's ice cream. It's every ice cream that I want. It's, you know, strawberry, chocolate, vanilla, swirl, the whole nine yards. Winning the bowl game and finishing undefeated, 13-0, is like adding the chocolate chips and the whipped cream and the little maraschino cherry on top, right? That's what that is. It's like, okay, it's great. Oh, but this also, not only is it great, I get a little bit more chocolate, and the whipped cream and everything, and it also looks delicious too, right? That's kind of the difference for me between if UCF finishes twelve and one, and if Auburn or or thirteen and L.
1: Yeah, no, I think there's some truth to that uh, for sure. Uh, I just, it's an interesting game because I feel like there's going to be two narratives that's going to come out of here when the game's done, and it's either going to be UCF one and it's the best season ever, it's the best team ever, yada, yada.
0: Well, that narrative While is going to be like also well, – it's not going well, to. not just going to be that. It's going to be, okay, UCF is now in that club of legit teams that are not in the Power Five. Like, you know, we can we, – we have Boise State sure. in there, right? We have – well, they, Utah wasn't there before they moved into the Pac-12. TCU wasn't there before they moved into the Big 12. And now, And now it's like there's like this little chalkboard somewhere that has like – maybe three, four, five teams in that class and now it's like, okay, UCF's in there too. All right, let's put th- let's officially put them in permanent marker in that in that slot.
1: And then, but then again, there'll be those that will say that Auburn just didn't care about the game, so
0: Well, that's going to be your uh, SEC uh, fans and your Auburn fans, and to which well, and saying,
1: I think so, which 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 is a lot of
0: national media by the way. That's not a, well, like that's okay, right. but you know, if, you know, if they don't if they don't show up, which by the way, I think I haven't checked Gus Malzahn's record in bowl games, but you know,
1: uh, okay, if well, they, they lost like, last pretty badly. If, at if they don't
0: if they don't show up, that's not that's not UCF's fault, and I really don't care.
1: No, but I mean, that's the narrative. The narrative is going to be, well, they didn't show up. And that's why UCF won the game. It wasn't because they were necessarily better on the other side of the ball. On the other side, if UCF loses, now people are going to say, well, Scott Frost and the coaching staff was distracted. The players were distracted with Scott Frost recruiting in Nebraska, which I also, you know, so I mean, it's, it's oh, the old D word, right? It's, it's just funny. I mean, it's funny. Like the narrative's already there. It's just a matter of the execution. I think the game itself, Scott Frost said this, and I think it was in his last presser before going to Atlanta, but I think he's re he's even excited again while he's in Atlanta. This game is really a simple game. It's going to come down to the line of scrimmage and cause this will be the best front, uh, talent wise, either in the defensive line standpoint and offensive line standpoint that UCF is going to see all year okay. with Auburn. Auburn's a physical football team. And my concern, Jeff, is if you watched the Memphis game at times, the championship game I'm speaking of, um, you see, I've got to, kind of got manhandled a little bit at times there uh, as far as the, the defensive line. Like Memphis kind of played physical with them at times. And now you got Auburn with their players, with their running backs and carry on Johnson and that offensive line. You know, I I, I think Auburn could play be very physical and then also. Can UCF put any pressure on, on, on Stidham at quarterback? Right. Um, th- that's going to be some big issues I think the defensive side of the ball is going to have. And then on the other side of the ball, can McKenzie Milton have time to throw? And can they open holes for the running game against that Auburn front, which is very – Very difficult. So I think that's the interesting thing to look for in this football game that, you know, if we get down to the X's and O's and that's really the question. Right. The question that is always, to some extent, the narrative when it comes to non power five teams like UCFs and the Boise's when they get into these games is can finesse football beat physical football? That's what this storyline is going to be. And UCF's gotta prove that they're not gonna get pushed around in this game. Uh this feels like the-, the
0: opposite of the Baylor Festival.
1: The- oh, absolutely. I- Absolutely, because Baylor basically played a up. It was the op, You're right. It's the opposite because UCF was the one that was physical team against Baylor, and they kind of pushed around Baylor, especially right. uh, when on Baylor's side of the defense of the ball. And it was Baylor that was going to go with the track meet, and UCF was going to try and create some stops and put some pressure. Uh, uh, so it's interesting. You're right. That's a great point. How the roles have changed. Uh, even though UCF was the funny thing was UCF was a bigger underdog in mm. that game. They were like about an 18-point dog or whatever. Here, they're only what? Uh, depending where you look at. What is it, 9,
0: 10? Um, according to Odd Shark, the latest line has UCF as a 9.5-point dog. It opened at 8, jumped up – and it actually depends on where you look. Some places have 9.5. Bovada has UCF as a 10-point dog.
1: Yeah, so about 8 to 10. So uh, – that's not that bad, and and it tells you. I think I do think that tells you that people I think kind of expect UCF to be in this game. Um, I think that's going to be a very fascinating football game from that standpoint. Is how does UCF and, and Scott can, if Scott felt like and, and when he said if they can block him, he, he likes his chances. It's a really and I know it sounds really it's a very simple thing. It's not the most exciting quote, but I think in a lot of sometimes we overcomplicate this stuff, and it's fairly simple. Can you see a block, Auburn? Really simple. Yeah. Can they block them? Can they put some pressure? Can they beat up? Can they beat some of their offensive linemen man to man and 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 you know cause some havoc? If they can, they they can win this football game. Yeah. If they can't, it's going to be a long day.
0: Some key numbers to throw at you: Auburn is uh, 25th in the country in total offense. UCF right yeah. now fifth. Um, they're averaging uh, uh, the Tigers are averaging 454 yards a game. This is what I think is interesting balance. yards per game on the ground, which is 22nd in the country, 225.8 through the air. So they actually do rush more than they pass, uh, or rush for more than they pass. Uh, 68th in the country in passing offense are the Tigers, but 10th in pass efficiency as a team at 156.82. They're averaging 34 points a game, which is 25th best in the country. Compare that to UCF's defensive numbers um, the Knights are 94th in total defense, but it's because the pass uh, defense basically collapsed in the latter half of the year. The Knights are uh, 110th in the country in pass well, defense, but 67th it, 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 in rush defense, giving up 262.8.
1: You brought up the pass defense. Um, that's a concern. Now, you know, the the neat, you know, the thing about the bowl game, it's like a new season. You have a month to you know fix all that. But, I mean, USF torched them passing wise. Memphis yep. torched them. Uh, and again, I mean, Stidham is a talent. I mean, the kid can play. Auburn's got to, That's a concern because Very
0: good SEC style quarterback, right? Fits that
1: that mold perfectly, I think. I would agree. And I would even I could make the argument he's probably the most talented quarterback in the SEC. I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, obviously, well, you, more Babson than, more, it than uh,
0: more than Jake from at Georgia.
1: Yes. Yes, I do. Really? I, I'm not All convinced. Right. I'm not convinced that Jake Fromm can throw the football if he's behind. Um, you know, I, I give J- the reason I think George's success is that running game. Um, I mean, Jake Fromm couldn't do anything when they fell behind against Auburn, which brings up the segue here. I think it's imperative that UCF, kind of like the Fiesta Bowl, gets off to a good start. I right. don't think. As good as this offense is, if you 're down two touchdowns you know early quickly to Auburn, that thing could snowball because I think Auburn's a very difficult team to come back from because that opens up now they can target the pass rush uh, it it's they're a very good team from the from ahead from that standpoint right uh, about Got to that being punch set it in the mouth right out of the gate right out of the gate, show them that you're here, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh crap, you know now you're before you know it you're in the game um. I do, you know, and that's going to be the interesting question. Now, uh, uh, the counterside to that about Auburn, this is not a home game for Auburn. And if you look at Auburn, they're a di- they have been a different team on the road this year than they are at home. Their big wins were all at home. Alabama was at home, Georgia was at home. Uh, you look at their losses, they lost at Clemson, they lost at LSU, where they blew a big lead mm-hmm. in Baton Rouge. Um, and they lost obviously in Atlanta in that same stadium to Georgia. So they are it, it, they are a little different on the road, which I think has to help UCF in that matter. And I think if UCF can get off to an early lead, get off to a good start, and all of a sudden, you know, you see this sometimes in bowl games first. Teams tend to press if you fall behind early and then games kind of get away from you because all of a sudden it's like, oh, crap, what are we doing? And next thing you know, you're down 21, 24 points and everything kind of snowballs. So Mm -hmm. uh, I I think you'll know early on in the first 10, 15 minutes what kind of game you're going to have. If it's going to be an interesting day or is it going to be a long day? But uh, I I think those are some factors. And I do think the secondary has to be shored up because – I have to believe UCF's going to try and stop the Auburn running game, and I think you could open, you could be in trouble with the play-action pass if you do that. So the secondary needs to be on the same page. If not, they're going to give up some big plays.
0: Yeah, you know, it's the game. I keep thinking. I, I always think of these in sort of historical fashions. Obviously, UCF in the Fiesta Bowl against Baylor, how they jumped out fourteen to nothing. You know, you mm-hmm. get the, you get the big drive that you 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 punch seven in, and that's the key. First first drive of the game. You have to get seven. Um, you punch in seven. Then they got the three and out with the sack. Then they scored again. And UCF was up, I think, 14 nothing in that game. And that, that put Baylor on their heels, which is not what they're used to. I think that right. the game that I think back to is the uh, 2009 Sugar Bowl between Utah and Alabama. Alabama was uh, number four in the country. Utah was seven. Uh, Utah was not in the Pac-12. They were. Uh, they were still in the. Um, where the heck was it? The Mountain West. Yeah. Um, and Kyle Whittingham was their head coach. Um, uh, because you know, obviously, Urban Meyer had been had moved on from Utah quite a bit, uh, quite a while before. And in that game, do you remember what happened in that game, Merrick? Uh, I believe Utah jumped on him, didn't Utah they? Utah jumped on him real quick. In the first quarter, they jumped on him twenty one nothing. Right. And the drive right. Alabama was not
1: ready to play. Right. Alabama was not ready. They had their kind of still licking their wounds from the Florida loss. Right. And,
0: and here's the thing. The the way they do it they did it was not by not by playing Alabama's game and controlling the clock and running the ball in three yards in a cloud of dust. No, they did it with quick strike offense first three drives right. of the game in the first quarter five plays 68 yards in a minute 19 five plays 32 yards in a minute 37 seven plays 65 yards in a minute 57 so that was i think the key and and it kind of proved that you know i mean this was still bama while that while they were while they were still you know they were bama at that point right and even in 2009 and uh saban and all that and it just shows to you shows me that you know you can play your game against a physical SEC team, and if you catch them in a position where they are not ready to play because they don't really feel like they have much to play for, and I don't really think Correct. Auburn does. Um, what, what are they going to do? I mean, they're they're you know, uh, congratulations, guys. If you win this, you get to eleven and three. Oh, okay. Right. Um, you beat
1: UCF while yeah. your rival is playing in the playoffs.
0: While Bama, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who you you know who you beat? by the way. Um, and the final of that game was, was I think, 31-17. Um, I think that that is sort of the model. If UCF can do what what they have tried to do uh, throughout the season, which is jump out on top and jump out on top in a hurry, um, it can work. The predicted score, I don't know what Oddshark uses to, to model this, but their predicted score is 43-40 to 40 Auburn, which... All right. I don't think if the game is that high scoring Auburn's I don't think Auburn wins.
1: I don't think Auburn wins if it's that. I don't know about all that. I I, I do think what do you think about this? I think Scott Frost is going to be really aggressive. Like when I say aggressive, I think he's going to go for it on some fourth downs. Yep. I could see some trick plays being prepared. I would love to see
0: that. I would love to see UCF play the kind of game like um, that, you know, harkening back a while what Boise State did against Oklahoma, where they're just like, hey, we are playing with house money, baby. You know, and we're gonna I agree, and, we're, I agree. And, 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 and the hell with the hell with everything else, we're we're gonna come out to win this game. We're gonna roll the dice, and if that's what yep. it takes for us to win, fine, let's do it. Why the hell not, right?
1: Don't you feel like he'll go for it too on some fourth and shorts in the Auburn territory? Definitely. I, I, I don't I, I think he's gonna be aggressive. I think, I think he, he might knows, go you back know. to
0: the whole like going for two on the first touchdown kind yeah, of thing,
1: too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh I tend to agree. Heck, I wouldn't be shocked if if it came down to the end of the game, and you know it's a choice between tying the game and going to overtime or going for two, if you've got a play you're comfortable with, I could see him trying to pull that off. Why not? It's your last game. It's a bowl game. What do you got to lose? Nothing.
0: If we're if we're gonna die, let us die with music, right? Yeah, I, as right. Uh, I think it's an old uh, an old saying. But oh. yeah, I would go. For, uh, yeah, I, I I would love to see that because I think that should fit with sort of what our personality as. A, a school and a program should be of yeah, we're going to go for broke and we kind of have this inferiority complex and we're going to, and we're not afraid of you. We're going to punch you in the mouth. Um, yeah. I would love to see it over under, by the way, for this game is 67 and 62% of the money is on the over right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so, add me onto that list. One, um, a, a couple other notes I wanted to bring up uh, just statistically Uh, You talked about Auburn's defense, which is very good. Uh, Ninth in the country in scoring defense, giving up just 17.3 a game. Um, Eighteenth in team team pass efficiency defense. Fifteenth in passing yards allowed at 177.8. That's really good. And they're only allowing 134.5 on the ground. That's 31st in the country. Total defense, 12th uh, in the country at 312.3. Uh, let's see. What are some other things? Um, Auburn is not that very good at punting, but that doesn't really matter. Uh, they're also very. Uh, disciplined, well, I disagree with you on that.
1: Way. I disagree with you, by the way. I disagree with you. That's a you, well, they, let, well. Let's not because I think with Mike Hughes. In the country, by the way. <laughs> right against a very good Mike Hughes punt return, and even special teams. UCF Fair can point. steal some. A field position standpoint, maybe even get a score off uh, a special team. That's, you, you just accidentally ran into something there that's something that maybe nobody's talking about. Accidentally, like, look, thanks. What, you know, but but how did UCF beat USF? It was a kick was return. Special teams. Uh, yeah, like special teams. I mean, USF, if I remember correctly, I mean, the special teams was a ed- big edge to UCF. Yeah. So that's, that's actually a, uh, a big factor. And it'll be interesting to see uh, if I'm Auburn, I don't even kick to him. I mean, kick the ball out of bounds. Yeah, kick.
0: Oh God, kick the ball uh, out of bounds. I would love for yeah, Auburn to try right. and get so, aggressive and be like, "Oh, we're an
1: SEC team. We can stop this guy." Good luck. But right, and that's where that where you know ego could come back to bite you there because they might say, "Ah, oh, what's the big deal?" Next thing you know, you kick it to Mike Hughes and you give up a touchdown because you thought you could cover it. And next thing you know, you're chasing him. Yeah, uh, that's I, that's a heck of a point. That, I, that, that right there, that UCF could take advantage to win this game is on special teams. Even if they don't get a score out of it, they can win the field position. If they only have to go, say, let's say 55 yards, 60 yards you know, uh, to score mm-hmm. instead of going 80, 90 yards – for a drive that's a huge significant difference it's almost like an extra couple first downs. so that that's that's a very very interesting stat that clearly nobody has figured out except you obviously
0: add add into that uh UCF by the way seventh in the country in punt returns at 15.56 a return and eighth in kickoff returns at 25 yards a return so uh UCF's offense coming in. see here's a couple things I want to point out so um the Knights are obviously number one in scoring offense at 49.4 a game. Uh, fifth in total offense at 540 a game. Uh, 33rd in rushing at 201. Seventh in passing at 339. So there's your uh, unstoppable force meets the immovable object, is UCF's pass against Auburn's pass defense. Um, second in team pass efficiency at one eighty nine point four, excuse me, 183.49. Um, but here is where, if I'm UCF, this is, the, this is the number one thing you must do is not turn the ball over. UCF is second in the country in turnover margin at plus 1.25 a game. Auburn is tied for 62nd in the country at plus 0.08. So that means that Auburn has basically turned the ball over as many times as they have forced turnovers, while UCF... Has done has done a very good job of taking care of the football, as well as um, as well as the defense has been doing a good job at forcing turnovers. Now things have gotten a little bit more sloppy, I think, on those last two games. You know, particularly, I'm thinking back to the last um, the last quarter of the con- of the conference championship. You know, Milton had that bad interception when it looked like we could have had a chance to get the f- get the game winning field goal in regulation. Um, you can't make those kinds of uh, silly mistakes throwing to nobody in particular against a team like Auburn, they will eat you alive. So you got to take care of the football.
1: Yeah, I mean, but that's again goes back to my original premise of will McKenzie Melton get protection? Will the UCF offensive line be able to block the offense, uh, the Auburn front seven? Because mm-hmm. if they don't, if he gets rushed into some throws, trying to you know that's where turnovers come. Yes, run around,
0: come. try and do too much with the ball. Yeah, that's where mm-hmm. that's where things can get can get out of hand in a hurry. So there's your there's your big matchup right there. So UCF against uh, Auburn uh, again. Game time is set for twelve thirty p.m. twelve thirty p.m. Eastern time. Uh, on uh, New Year's Day, January 1st, uh, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. The game will be televised on ESPN. All right, joining us now is our main man providing the perspective on the ground in Atlanta, Brian Murphy, spokes underscore Murphy, on Twitter. Brian, you are the hardest-working man in show
2: business. What is happening, man? Hey guys, uh, greetings from Atlanta, where I got in this morning at about 8 a.m. and went directly to a UCF press conference. It's been that kind of day. Oh
0: man, I, I know <laughs> it's. Listen, it's not going to get any easier <laughs> the next, but but hey, I so you're so you're at the Hyatt Regency downtown. Um, yes, UCF is there. They've been there for the last couple of days. There's a big bus with staff that's heading up. I think you know the, all the UCF folks that are heading up are heading up there now um are you so give us the lay of the land how are things going how are things looking uh you know from from a football team perspective
2: i i feel a, a very relaxed sense i mean which is kind of weird to say for a, for a group of guys who are going to play you know what is you know in terms of meaning perhaps the biggest game in the history of the program but talking to them today we talked to otis anderson mckenzie milton mckenzie milton looks bored right now. I mean, I mean, he's very cool. He's very, very nonchalant and very sort of like laid back, cool yeah, Hawaii guy. He's not the highest strung guy to begin with. No, no. But like today it was like a different, like a little different. Like he just like kept rubbing his eyes. Maybe he was tired. It was like nine in the morning, but like, he's just, they all seem very relaxed. And they, you know, I, uh, Trey Smith said, you know, they certainly think about, what that day, what Monday morning is going to be like. They're going to be a little anxious, uh, but they're they're more excited. Um, and even we talked to Troy Walters today. He goes, he gets the sense that, sure, there'll be some early nerves, but I think the kids are, he says that the kids are more excited than really anxious or nervous about this game.
1: Murph, uh, what's kind of the mood in the city? What's kind of the, you know, you UCF's relaxed. What about the city? What about Auburn? What, what's kind of, the, I know you've been there a little briefly, but What's kind of the, the mood in the town there? Have you noticed excitement? What's the what's kind of how would you describe the town right now?
2: Uh, I mean, I really haven't gotten a good local flavor. I mean, you know, you see some UCF fans here, and uh, I haven't like gone out and walked around and and hit the streets. But uh, but there's some there's definitely anticipation everywhere you go, anywhere within like a ten block radius of downtown. You know, every street lamp has the the flyer for the Peach Bowl on it. Uh, certainly, we know the excitement's there because of how quickly UCF sold out its allotment of tickets for this game. Um, I have not seen it at this hotel yet, but again, it's only Friday. We've got a full weekend to go, and and this hotel should be pretty crowded over the weekend. And then I'm interested to see what I see as I kind of venture out on the streets over the next couple of days. You've
1: had uh, you've had We're some ahead. time here. Well, well, I'm curious, Murph. You've had some time to obviously uh, digest this matchup. Yes. Lord knows everybody else has. Um, <laughs> I kind of feel like the player's sympathy there, They're bored because we've talked about this game in nonchalant. Uh, what's your thoughts on Auburn? Do you feel uh, what concerns you about Auburn? Do you think Auburn will be excited to be playing in this game, or do you think Auburn is going to be a little smug and it's like, eh, I don't know if I want to be here. But what's your thoughts on Auburn here as we uh, get closer to kickoff?
2: You know, I think somebody asked that to one of the Auburn players today about, you know, not overlooking UCF and wanting to be here back at, you know, back at the same stadium in which they lost the SEC championship game. Uh, and I, I think they, they'd certainly want to be here. There was a there was um, a pretty, uh, um, you, know, you know, we all remember Adrian Killens' quote about Auburn's never seen speed like we have. That seems to be lighting a bit of a fire underneath the Tigers. That has certainly been made into bulletin board material. A couple of the guys talked about it today and uh, may or may not have used some words that you can't say on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> and so so they're, they're, they're motivated to be here. I think for UCF, what scares the most is Auburn's defensive front. Uh, it's a huge sack front tackles for loss turnovers and, you know, without Aaron Evans at left tackle, your all conference left tackle, you know, how do they sort of stem the tide there? Well, they've kicked Jake Brown out from left guard to left tackle and now left guard, you've got, uh, Sam Jackson and Tyler Hudenik who, you know, look, we talked to Wyatt Miller today and, and they all rave about what those guys have done, but it's, you know, certainly, you know, it's one thing to do it in practice. And one thing to do it in a game against that front. Now, the the coaches and players have said, you know, UCF's offense is what it is. We're going to do what we do. They're not going to change one thing because Aaron Emmons is missing. But uh, certainly that matchup of seeing, you know, Jake Brown, can, can he block the edge? It uh, will be one of the biggest matchups of the game, if not the biggest.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think it scares everybody. We talked about that earlier, but let me expand on that because that was interesting. So the 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 killings comments, and for those that don't yeah. know, he talked about how Auburn hasn't seen speed like the you know what UCF has and what you know in the SEC they're slow, yada yada. So is that been the premise there when Auburn players were talking? Was there's a lot of killings question? What was kind of the theme when the Auburn? De- I'm surprised that that is still a theme here, considering that quote and that statement was made. What was it, Murphy? You were there when that statement was made, like three weeks ago.
2: Yeah, that was made uh just like directly after we knew they were going to the Peach Bowl. Like uh it was that was uh this I think the 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 week before. Yeah, it was like 3 weeks ago anyway. I can't think. Uh but yeah, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they've harped on it, but like it's been asked about because it's a spicy meatball. I mean, the 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 press is going to ask about it and they, and, they, and they're going to answer and so there's the way it's set up here There's two different types of press conferences. There's one in a big media room where you get to pass the mic around. We've all all sort of been there. And then there's another one, a breakout session, where you've got four players, one at each little desk across a room. That's much more intimate. And in that session – uh, you know, you could the, from what I've read, because I, I wasn't there, but what I read from the transcripts is that they're a little perturbed at that sort of statement, and uh, certainly you can sense that that statement hasn't made into Baltimore board material. I'm not saying that Auburn has continually brought that statement up, but when asked about it, uh, they, they are very, very, very aware of it.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, we were looking at, we were breaking down some of the numbers earlier. It's a nine and a half point Line the over under is sixty seven sixty two percent I think, uh, of the bets are on the over. Mm-hmm. Are you, it, when you look at breaking this down, Brian? When I see it, I, I think that if it's a high scoring game, I think that definitely favors UCF. I'm going to get sure. worried if it's a low scoring game, and and Eric and I both agreed that if UCF is going to have you know a shot at knocking off Auburn here that they need to do kind of what, what UCF did against Baylor four years ago. And I brought up the hmm. the 9 Sugar Bowl, if you recall, when Utah beat uh, Alabama, uh, when Alabama was not in the BCS championship game, because I think they lost to Florida that year, um, where Utah jumped on on Alabama 21 nothing in the first quarter, and they did it on drives that were... All less than three minutes, and they didn't do it by yeah. shoving it down their throat. They did it by quick strike, quick strike, quick strike, and all of a sudden it's twenty-one nothing at the end of the first. And you put them on their heels, and they and they got to play from behind, and it's difficult for an SEC uh, an SEC team that's very physical to sort of switch gears and have to score in a hurry. It's difficult for them to do that. Not saying they can't, but it's difficult. What do you think of how how the plot of this game needs to plan out? That needs to play out for UCF to win.
2: I think, uh, you know, just talking to Troy Walters today, because I have yet to talk to Scott Frost since I got here just this morning. Uh, We'll talk to him later in the week, I believe on Sunday. Uh, It sounds like it's a run first game plan. They really want to get out and create a lot of second and shorts and third and shorts. uh, Stay out of those long passing, you know, long yardage downs, which allows you know, that defensive front for Auburn to pin its ears back and come after McKenzie Milton. So I think instead of the, the sort of quick strike offense, I mean, certainly UCF's offense we know can quick strike it on the ground. But this might be more of a wear it down early, try to get into your second and threes and try to ride Otis Anderson and Adrian Killens and McKenzie Milton's legs as far as they can take you.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. To yeah, try to establish the run, kind of keep it simple because that helps your offensive line. If you can keep short yardage, long distance mm-hmm. really favors the pass rush. Uh, what What do you think is the key? Phil, uh, finish this thought. UCF knocked off Auburn because they did what? They I
2: think ran the ball successfully. Uh, because if you run the ball successfully, you basically neutralize that pass rush. Uh, which is, I mean, again, that's it's the story of the game for Robert Stevens. Their secondary is very good, uh, but I think Walters was asked like, what scares you more, the secondary or the front? And he goes, it all starts up front. So if they if they're able to run the ball, and I mean, I'm not going to say that Yousef's going to like slow it down, but slow it down enough to where they're 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 keeping the pass rushers at bay. Uh, they can work off, uh, you know, a, a lot of RPO stuff. If they run for, you know, uh, you know, a good clip where they're in a lot of second and shorts and third and shorts, they're going to they're going to have a really good chance at this game. I almost said they're going to win this game. I, I did not say that. I will not say that <laughs> yet yet. Um, but um, but yeah, Bulletin I think they were material. Yeah, right, right, right. Yes. There you go. Gus Malzahn. Yeah. Um, no. So I, I UCF knocks off Auburn uh, if they're able to run the ball consistently for for solid yardage.
1: What, what do you think? Uh, what do you think is going through Scott Frost and the and the staff's mind here? It's been a long month. It's been uh, documented nationally. Uh, yeah. uh, stories yeah. have been done about it. What do you What do you think Scott Frost comes out with on uh, Monday? I said earlier, I think he's going to be very aggressive. I think he's going to go for it on fourth and shorts if they're in Auburn territory. Because um, mm-hmm. I think he generally, I think he wants to go out with a bang. And knock off Auburn and end this season. Well how do you feel the staff and and you talked to Troy Walters? You've mentioned uh, that we're here near the finish line. Mm-hmm. yeah, and and I think you know if, as far as game
2: planning, I don't think you're gonna see much that's different. Like you know, Scott Frost and this team has been going for fourth and shorts a lot this year in in, in deep in deep territory. and so I don't, I don't think they're gonna get away from that. I thought one thing that was interesting today with from Wyatt Miller. Is that he kind of talked? He said that this this period from after the Memphis game to now has sort of been. A, he said he said it's a long goodbye, and he meant it in a very positive way. Sort of waxing poetic about what it's been like to spend time with these coaches again, uh, these seniors, and, and sort of come together with all this time off, reflect a little bit on what they've accomplished, and know they still have one game left. And I think they've really en- they've really really enjoyed uh, having all these coaches here. I think the coaches are also getting a kick out of it. Cause they love, I mean, they've kept they've stated they love these players. And if, if they didn't, they wouldn't be here, obviously. So I, I think it's a very, um, sort of like kumbaya harmonious relationship right now. I think everybody knows what's going to happen on January 2nd, you know, all these coaches are gone. So I think they're relishing these last few days here. And, uh, like, like Wyatt said, it's, uh, it's you know it's been really nice to have them around and uh, and he talked about how the coaches ha- th- these coaches empowered these players they they made the players the leaders of the teams um, you know he re- really went on and on about how these coaches changed this team uh, not only on the field but off the field in the locker room and so I think to have these last few days we we'll have one more game with this group I think these players love it
0: the uh, interesting thing I saw and you touched upon this in. Um, In your piece that you wrote on blackandgoldbanneret.com, the relationship such as there is one between Josh Heupel, who's kind of standing, you know, from afar, kind of observing things, and Scott Frost, who's on the ground right now with the team, how would you describe that, you know, again, I use the word relationship, but I know it's a very loose term, but... But, you know, these guys are it, there's a, it's like a transition period right between administrations and 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 yeah. they're sort of working together to sort of find common ground. And while Josh Heupel is getting the lay of the land, I'm sure Scott Frost is sharing with him some of the things that that he knows about the team and and things that Josh needs to look out for. So how has that played out in this uh, in this last you know, month since um, since the transition started?
2: I think Josh has been pretty careful about talking about the players, the current players on the team. You know, I asked him uh, a couple weeks ago on Nash, on the on the early signing day press conference that he had because Josh said he had talked to Mackenzie Milton a lot off the field uh, since he's been the coach. And I asked him, you know, have you talked about things that maybe Mackenzie can do better? And he kind of skewed that question. He goes well, I'm going to let these these guys get finished with this season first. I think Josh has been, you know, Josh has obviously been around. But very hands-off. He's got his own job to do, uh, recruiting, certainly uh, being at the top of the list. So it, it's two different coaches doing two different things. They, they, they sort of, you know, they're around each other. They, 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 they've spoken to each other. But I don't think there's a whole lot of, uh, of, of deep X's and O talk going on um, or, or really deep conversations going on. Scott Frost has his thing, which is this game. And, and Josh Heupel has his thing, which is preparing him for the 2018 season.
1: Yeah, no, I want to say, are we going to hear from Josh Heupel here uh, either prior to the bowl game? I'm wondering if he'll appear on the national broadcast, kind of like sometimes coaches do that on bowl games. Like Willie Taggart, for example, uh, was in Shreveport, so he appeared on the ESPN telecast of the Independence Bowl. Could we see uh, Josh Heupel make an appearance on the ESPN broadcast to kind of talk about taking over the program? Will he talk to the the media like yourself prior to the game?
2: Well, uh, probably not here unless it's unannounced. It's not been scheduled. If ESPN's going to talk to him, they're probably going to have to get in Danny White's box uh, because that's probably where (laughs) Josh will be during the game. He'll be in to suite. Don't rule it out. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, what we have for the rest of the week is basically tomorrow we get to talk to the defensive guys. So we talked to Troy Walters and five offensive players today. Tomorrow it's Eric Shenander and five defensive players. And then the 31st, uh, Gus Malzahn – and uh, Scott Frost hold a joint press conference on the eve of the game.
0: All right. So uh, a little breaking news while we're talking. UCF has released its uniform combo. Oh, um, boy, boy. It'll be and... all it'll be all whites, white pants, white, white shirts, white jerseys and gold helmets. And my first thought was that's the same uniform we wore four years ago. Yes, the oh, yeah. bowl yeah. against uh, against Baylor. So maybe a little good luck. You know, I mean, we, yeah. we did it before we can do it again kind of thing. I don't know. So, um
1: so, Well, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what they're going for. They're trying to recreate that. I mean, I kind of right. heard that from people going in that that was probably the combination they were going to go with. So I'm not surprised. I'm envious, by the way, Murph, because you obviously are going to be in the press box. So I'm assuming, obviously, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. I know what oh. your medium is going to be. Oh, yeah. Chicken Boy. sandwiches
0: galore, man. Can I tell you a quick story about that, too? We were – um I covered the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl once. It was Georgia-Virginia Tech about 10 years ago. And it was Matthew Stafford's freshman year at Georgia. Literally, there were so many chicken sandwiches everywhere. I mean, you uh-huh. could not escape the chicken sandwiches. I don't think I ate Chick-fil-A. I lived in Georgia at the time, and I didn't have Chick-fil-A for a month after that because there were so flipping many
2: chicken sandwiches all over the place. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll give you one guess. I'll give you one guess as what was available to media after the press conferences today. Uh-huh. Yeah, it sure chicken, as heck wasn't chicken biscuits. <laughs> it was
1: chicken oh, biscuits. Chicken biscuits. Oh my god. Oh god. Is there any chance you can bring some of that back? Because yeah, you know, I'm going to be at L- Yeah, because I'm going to be at the LSU Notre Dame game, right? So I've been covering the Citrus Bowl for the last decade, and the last few years, Buffalo Wild Wings was the sponsor. So, which was great because I got Buffalo Wild Wings for the media spread. Well, guess what? They're no longer a sponsor, so I have no idea what to expect now. Now I'm barely concerned. And Buffalo
0: Wild Wings ain't no Chick-fil-A, <laughs> I'll tell you that right now.
1: Well, just, I mean, if, if, you're just... looking
2: for, if you're looking for free sandwiches, you know, Eric, remember at the, 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 the Memphis game, they were handing out those free chicken oh, yeah. sandwich tickets. Well, you know, I, I, I've talked to some people. I've gotten a few more. Actually, I've gotten quite a bit more. I've turned into now the Pablo Escobar of free Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich <laughs> tickets. So if if you want free chicken sandwiches, holla at your boy. I'm just passing out gift cards over here. Oh, deal, gosh.
0: Yes. deal. Sign I, me up, man. Trust
1: me. In fact, that's one of the things, Murph. We're going to have to compare media uh, spreads here on pregame. Obviously, you get a half half hour head start on me on Monday. Uh, but I have a feeling you're going to have a big edge on me, and that's going to be very, oh, very yeah. – I'm already very mixed feelings about being – feel weird about being at another game while I'm watching the UCF game. It's a very weird day, and it's just going to be amplified when you just show off, like, the big spread they got for Chick-fil-A. Yes, this is the yeah. coverage
0: that UCF fans are dying for from Black and Gold Banner. Darn right, God, bro. Is media meals. <laughs> oh, <God>. Hey, Knights <laughs> hey,
2: night fans. Don't you want to know the what's being served as, as, <laughs> as the media meal at the Citrus Bowl? Don't you want to know what that is? <laughs> All right. Your old home. Brian Brian
0: Murphy in Atlanta for this weekend. Uh, obviously, the game is Monday at 1230 p.m. kick. Brian, give us a quick preview of what you got coming up on the site here uh, over the weekend.
2: All right. So in a very short amount of time, I am aiming to get four articles up. Three of them will be very quick, and one of them will be the preview. I want to get things about the Jake Brown transition at left tackle, Uh, There was also some interesting comments uh, today about, you know, UCF, you know, are they the underdog or I I asked a lot of questions about the Goliath versus Goliath hype video that you might've seen on the Peach Bulls Twitter account. Mm -hmm. So I asked some questions to the guys about being the underdog or being the the co-favorite as it were. Um, And uh, then also kind of an article about reflecting about what this team has done. And although whatever happens on Monday, we should never, we should, we should keep in mind what this team has done is, as Scott Frost says, pretty impossible. So just just let's like let's back up just a little bit. So those three things, and then uh, between then, at some point, the preview. So I got a lot, and there's you know there could be more to come because who knows what will be said tomorrow? I'm sure I'll write something after Frost talks on Sunday on Sunday uh, afternoon because when Scott Frost speaks at this point, it's it's gospel. I mean, well, you, you don't get many more chances left. You don't get many more chances left.
0: Yep. That's true, and uh, and for folks who are looking for that stuff, obviously blackandgoldbanneret.com. and also how can they get in touch with you, Brian?
2: Oh, I'm at spokes underscore
0: underscore Murphy on Twitter. All right, and we will be. I'll be. I know I'll be watching that. We'll also don't forget we will have the live blog. We got a new live blog platform coming for you um, mm-hmm. for this game. Uh, I will be in the stands for the game. Brian, you'll be in the press box. Derek Warden will be on the field um, mm-hmm. shooting photos. So it should be. Uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun New Year's Day. I know that it's gonna be uh, it, it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be fun, and uh, I'm glad that I'm so happy that you are up there uh, covering it because uh, I know that we'll be we'll, we we will we are well taken care of in terms of that and Derek as well. So uh, that should be a lot of fun. Brian Murphy from Atlanta here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Brian, thanks again, brother. Thanks, guys. All right, stick around. Coming up next after our break. Uh, we're going to have a very special guest, old buddy of ours, Eric Lopez, who has, uh, who just, this, is, you talk about guys who bleed black and gold, it's this guy. Uh, our friend, uh, the Associate Athletic Director for Fan Development, Jimmy Skiles, will join us to talk about Bowl Week in Atlanta, or as we're saying Night Nightlanta, uh, this week. Uh, what, what to do, this, this is going to be sort of our fan guide of what to do in Atlanta for uh, Peach Bowl Weekend. Uh, If you're a Knight fan. So stick around. The Black and Gold Banneret podcast is back after this. The Black and Gold Banneret podcast is brought to you by the Sam Unger real estate team. Sam and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole and Lake counties, specializing in buying, selling and new construction. Powered by EXP Realty. Sam is a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and fans, he's such a dedicated Knight fan that right now, if you work with him as your realtor, he will donate a portion of his commission to the UCF Football Excellence Fund in your name. The real estate market here in Central Florida has been on the move for some time now, so if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, Sam's got you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give Sam a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit him on the web at Sam Sells Again, that's Sam Sells Orlando. Net. You can also reach Sam on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sam Sells Orlando. Get in touch with the Sam Unger real estate team today and make finding your dream home a
3: reality. Facebook and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore nightline. Trace, can we go back to the eleven forty eight studios now and start working on our next all new nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on. Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast.
0: All right, welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you. Uh black and gold banneret.com, Facebook.com slash black and gold banneret, and UCF underscore banneret on Twitter. Now Joining us here, we recorded this actually before the holiday, but I wanted to get this out now because this is we're going to do our little UCF fan guide to the Peach Bowl. All right, to the 2018 Chick Fil A Peach Bowl between UCF and Auburn. New Year's Day, 12:30 p.m. If you're going to the game, this guy has y'all set. By the way, I wanted to uh, send special thanks. To uh, all the folks at UCF and the athletic department, communications, marketing, everybody—not just for all the help that they've given us throughout the year, but everything that they've been doing for this game, um, really making it a fun experience for UCF fans. Because um, you know, it was a bummer when we went out to, when we were forced to go out to um, Phoenix for the Fiesta Bowl four years ago, and you know, I, I mean, a lot of UCF fans traveled out there, but I mean, obviously, it was—it's a cross-country trip, not as many as you could. This game is sold out. The UCF ticket allotment is sold out, and a lot of Knight fans are coming out in force in Atlanta to try and cheer the Knights on in this first big-time bowl game for UCF in the Eastern time zone. So um, our guest is Jimmy Skiles. He's the Associate Athletic Director for Fan Development. We have known him since he was a young whippersnapper. Uh, <laughs> Uh, in the communications department at UCF, he uh, came on and wanted to do some play-by-play. Back when I was the sports director of the student radio station, he and his friend Brandon Purrington joined joined at the same time. Jimmy was a much better broadcaster than he let himself on. <laughs> and I have audio proof of that, by the way. Um, and uh, he went into marketing, actually started as a marketing intern for UCF, and worked his way up, went out to uh, Virginia Tech uh, for three years, and then he came back um, to UCF um and uh it, wow just a lot of the stuff that you see behind the scenes in terms of um in, in terms of UCF trying to um uh it, it, the the marketing that UCF does for big events not just for football but for you know basketball and every other sport this guy has a hand in it and uh and you know I'm I'm happy that I've known him Jimmy for a long time graduated from UCF in 2006 uh so he so he bleeds black and gold through and through and uh, like I said, we recorded this interview uh, last week, but we wanted to get it out to you. If you're heading up to Atlanta, this is a must listen for you. Uh, if you're a night fan, you're heading to the game. Or even if you're just coming up to Atlanta just to enjoy the atmosphere and maybe you'll be catching the game somewhere else. So without further ado, here is UCF's Associate Athletic Director for Fan Development, Jimmy Skyle. Jimmy, what's going on? How, uh, how busy is it over there right now?
4: Uh, well, it, it's starting to. Um, you know, the the, the first days, uh, once we won the conference championship, those those days were crazy. Once we got everything um, situated and and all that, it it started to to slow down a little bit. But but man, just you kind of talking about where we got to know each other back when we were in school. How crazy is it that uh, here we are going to our second New Year's Six bowl in yeah. five years or whatever it's been? I mean, when, when you and I were we're calling games for campus radio, in the old venue and stuff like that. We looked at who our aspirational peers, who we wanted to be like one day. And I don't, I think we've exceeded everything that, um, that we ever talked about. Like, I don't know if you and I had the conversation like I had with some of those other guys, like Brandon Purrington and stuff, where we'd be like, man, if we could just be, you know, like San Diego state one day, that'd be awesome. <laughs> and, and man, I Boise mean, state, look what they're doing. Couldn't we do that? Yeah, Look there? at that. And now here we are. And it's, I mean, it's, it's we'd like to think that the momentum's just going to keep going. And so what a, what a ride it's been on the last 10, 15 years.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's really been something. And, and I think the validation of getting to a New Year's six bowl game for a second time, I think really, um, it really speaks volumes to how far UCF has come since we were freshmen. I was a freshman in 0102, you not long after that. So, and and this is the best part about it is the fact that this is, Yes, UCF second New Year's 6 Bowl game, but the first one to be this close to home. And uh, the tickets basically are all sold out from UCF's uh, allotment, initial allotment at Mercedes-Benz Stadium of 12,500. Um before we get to sort of the schedule of events, um, when you guys saw the ticket numbers come in, I mean, what were you what were you thinking when you saw everything
4: roll in? Oh man, it was awesome cuz one of the roles that that I is, is the, the marketing guy as well. So, um, you know, the whole bowl ticket situation is is always tough. Each school gets their allotment that they're um, responsible for selling, and you never really know how fans are going to respond with you know secondary markets and, and all that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, it, this kind of reminds me of, um, you know, our very first bowl game we played in was in Hawaii. Not a lot of people got to go to that one because right. it was so far. Similar to our first BCS, slash New Year's Six Bowl game we got to go to was um, further away um, in Arizona where I know a lot of people had plans to go to New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl or to Miami for the Orange Bowl. And then um, we we get sent out to um, to Arizona. And, I mean, we still had a great showing of UCF fans out there. But now to have this one um, in such close proximity to to UCF and to so many of our alums, like looking at a stat here in front of me that – Within 250 miles of Atlanta, we have 14,000 alums. Within 500 miles of Atlanta, we have 224,000 Holy uh, UCF alums. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's just a natural um, kind of a perfect storm for us. I think the the students really set the tone um, for how ticket sales uh, we're going to go for the bowl when um, you know the how how the Peach Bowl has it those first five the 500 student tickets for each school. I uh, go for um I think it was fifty bucks. Now it was a couple weeks ago, so I'm forgetting about that. But uh yeah, I was here on Sunday. Um those tickets were going on sale Monday at nine AM and when I left the office uh Sunday evening, you know, there's students already lining up to to camp out for their tickets. So um uh, I think as we look back on, you know, some of the special visuals of, of this season and obviously I was gonna remember the big plays and the confetti and all that, but um, you know the, the days after the the confetti had fallen and we won the conference championship, and um, you know you have students camping out, and not just like you know fifty students camping out because they think it'd be fun to camp out for for peach bowl tickets. There were hundreds of students yeah um, that that camped out that night. You know during finals week to get their tickets, and you know I wake up. Um, early the next morning, and, you know, all the news stations are out there. And I think that really set the tone with how, um, you know, how, how ticket sales were going to go for the general fans, too, because I think they saw that, saw the excitement, and, um, yeah, it just, it just carried over. And, um, I mean, the, the Peach Bowl is obviously very happy with how, how fast we sold out our allotment. And then I just saw the, the social stuff today from, uh, from the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl that the game in general is officially sold out. Um, wow sold out as well so that's that's exciting stuff man
0: that's unbelievable I and mean, it's re- and it's really great to see because it's going it, to because not only is it going to be an amazing atmosphere i think in the stadium but also on television I think it's going to be quite a spectacle uh on new year's day so all right let's talk about um the week of the game this is a new year's january first bowl game um and it, I mean you know how the everyone knows how these bowls are there's all kinds of events that take place around there so um and a lot of UCF fans are traveling up, you know, maybe they're familiar with Atlanta but not familiar with what's going on on the UCF side of things. So, all right, I'm a UC, so I'm a UCF fan, I'm traveling up. What's the first UCF fan event I can go to to start getting ready for the bowl game?
4: All right, well on on uh, December 30th, um the the band, the Marching Knights along with Auburn's band will be doing a um kind of a pep rally thing out at Six Flags over Georgia. Uh, that's at 2 p.m. Uh, Six Flags has a evening um, uh, Christmas spectacular deal, so so 2 p.m. is actually when the park opens that day, uh, and is open until late. Uh, if you go to uh, if you go to UCFKnights.com and follow the bowl links, you can find there's some discounted tickets um, for for both teams' fan bases for for 30 bucks um, for a visit on that evening. Uh, so that's really the the first day that night. Um, we want people to tune in. We're going to have the Night Talk Radio Show. Mark Daniels um, will be doing that. That will be at a um, at a at a GKC event um, that is they'll be having um, at the World of Coke headquarters. But we want people to definitely tune in to that radio show that evening.
0: Okay.
4: Um, moving into New Year's Eve, that's when really the the bowl festivities get kicked in. And and you touched on this the these These six bowls that become the new year six bowls beca- are have reached this status because of the the hospitality and not what not only what they put on for the um for the team but what they do for the, the fans i mean the the events and how the cities really um, really take pride um in these bowl games so these events are you know they 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 are known for their hospitality for the at these new year six bowls so that's what really gets going December 31st. So uh, from 2 to 5 p.m. at the UCF Team Hotel, which is the Omni, um, right there in downtown. It's connected to the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, it's across Centennial Park from World of Coke and um, the aquarium and stuff. But 2 to 5 p.m. is the Hotel Fan Fest. Um, our band is going to perform there uh, for about 15 minutes or so around 4.30 Um one thing to note for for UCF fans that are going to be in the area, be in the downtown area on the thirty first, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the uh, the Falcons have a game that night or that afternoon as well. Right. Um, so they'll be playing the Saints. So it's gonna, um, you know, sometimes downtown Atlanta on a weekend, especially a weekend holiday, you'd think maybe kind of dead, but uh, with a with a Falcons game going on, it's um, there to be a lot of um with the Falcons game going on and then with our bowl game the next day there should be a whole lot of stuff going on even during the day not just the nighttime new year's eve festivities um so that's a, the hotel fan fest uh that will lead up into the fan night um at the aquarium uh so same thing the the georgia aquarium that's right there uh, in downtown um it's a fan night for for both teams again there's some discounted tickets um Go on to com. That goes from four to eight. The band will be there. The cheerleaders will be there. Nitro will be there. Uh, just a, a, a cool, cool experience. I have heard it's a really cool aquarium. You've yeah, been there before. Yeah, I've, I've been but there, but I've there heard heard before. Awesome. When
0: I uh, I've been there before when I lived in Georgia. We, we we dropped by there a couple times. It is one of the it is the coolest aquarium I've ever seen. And I'm from South Florida, saying that. You know, I've seen I've seen my share of you know of marine life in captivity, but um, it it is it is really an awesome place, and it's a cool place to bring the kids too. If you can make it down to the Georgia Aquarium, if you're in Atlanta, especially for when UCF is, uh, it, 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 when the marching nights are there, it really is worth the trip.
4: Yeah, so that would be a fun time for. That's a great point to bring the family and uh, again take pictures of the cheerleaders and with Nitro and um, hope to see hope to see a lot of black and gold there before people kind of head off, you know, to do their New Year's Eve uh, festivities, but. Uh, on that note of new year's eve festivities you know things can't can't get too crazy because it's early morning the next day when yeah. the kickoff so we need uh we need ucf fans fresh on uh, on new year's day so um the the parade on new year's morning starts um at at 8 a.m um and it goes there uh again right through downtown um and and you know it's just cool that's you you think of the big time bulls having their parades and uh, it's gonna be cool for um for again the marching knights and the spirit teams to 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 be a part of that parade. Um going along with that too from eight to twelve um at FanFest and the Georgia World Congress Center, um right there. Uh the UCF portion there so they do pep rallies. There'll be an Auburn pep rally there, there'll be a, a UCF pep rally. There, the UCF pep rally is going to be at at 10:50 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that should be kind of that last thing that people get to do um, right before they they head over to the stadium and um, and get ready get ready for the game. Um, and uh, let's see, Well, else did I did I forget about looking back. Um, Oh, uh, Alumni the Alumni Association.
0: Oh, yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, I wanted to mention that, too, because this, this actually sounds like a pretty cool event if you're, a UCF, uh, if you're a UCF fan, too, with the Alumni Association.
4: Yep, the Alumni Association is having the UCF charge on tailgate at the College Football Hall of Fame. That event right now is currently at capacity, um, so hopefully uh, you guys got your tickets for that. Um, for more information on that, it's ucfalumni.com slash bowlbound. Um, so they they have reached capacity on that, but um, uh, if you know somebody that is, had a ticket that and isn't going anymore, um, you might want to try to try to get in on that because they're at the College Football Hall of Fame. It's going to be a cool um, cool deal as well. And then um, again, backtracking, sorry about that. On December 31st, alumni associations also they're doing a watch party um, for the basketball game that uh, we're playing at East Carolina. Uh that event is also at capacity um so it's great to see u c f fans just uh you know selling out our ticket allotment selling out the u c f charge on tailgate selling out the uh basketball watch party uh, but you know there there's still plenty of stuff um going on all around downtown atlanta uh just to get in the the bull spirit. Yeah, you'll be happy
0: to know I got my tickets in the mail on UPS yesterday. I got I got two tickets. So oh nice. So so I'm bringing my. So here's how this working. I'm going as a fan because I didn't get to go to Phoenix, and to this day I still regret it. So I want to go to the Peach. I've covered the Peach Bowl before as a media member when I was working in Georgia. Um, that was the Georgia Virginia Tech game in oh seven. I want to say it was oh seven oh eight somewhere around there, but. Um, I'm going as a fan this time around. It's a new Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and I'm bringing my son, uh, who I'm trying to indoctrinate. <laughs> and, uh, and and so so, what would be your recommendation if you're coming with a family with the kids? Like, what would be your itinerary for for this week? I guess you know, not just New Year's Eve, but in that in that morning heading to the bowl game like what would you what yeah, would
4: you recommend game day i would i would definitely get out to um to the parade uh make sure for everybody listening that you do check the weather um my wife is also from south florida like you are and she has seen the potential of uh snow of uh, some snow flurries in the forecast oh, yeah, that's so right. it's
0: gonna get it's gonna be cold up there yeah
4: yeah, that's gonna um, that's gonna freak out some uh, some of our fans, uh, me included. I thinking <laughs> about maybe being out at the parade um, while that's happening, but um, but uh, you know the fan fest things. I've been to to the fan fest at um, up in Atlanta before for SEC championship games and um, actually Peach Bowl before, and it's just cool. There's there's lots of interactive things to go do, especially for kids. I remember going um, into the Georgia World Congress Center and going to those FanFest fest things when I was a kid, and you know all the interactive games and giveaways and um, I mean you name it. There's just there's just stuff to do. And then the fact that again that the, the marching knights and nitro and cheerleaders will be doing a a pep rally there at 10:50. That would be really fun to do. You know the as a kid, you get to run out and get to run through drills, and uh, you know, kick field goals and jump over the you know, the inflatable things that yeah. you pretend like you're going through an obstacle course and diving over the the line into the end zone. So, lots of fun stuff um, to do at that fan fest.
0: Cool, and and the best part about it, and this is one of the reasons why you know, this is a great spot to have at an event like this is everything's kind of in the same sort of, you know one square mile area you have the stadium you have a world congress center right next to it cnn center in the omni and the omni complex is right there the georgia aquarium is right around the corner which is across the street from the college football hall of fame it's all right there so um so for those of us who are attached to our phones trying to figure out where we go what do you recommend we uh we follow in order to keep abreast of uh all the ucf events and information
4: it definitely make sure you're following the, uh, at UCF football and at UCF nights. Um, you know, again, it's a relatively early morning with a with a 12:30 game and getting into downtown. Uh, parking's limited, um, so definitely. What there's I know fans are saying all throughout the Atlanta area, so yeah. um, look at taking MARTA as an option, um, jumping on the train, and uh, there's lots of of very close stations right down there. Um, so definitely consider doing that probably less traffic to have to deal with that way. Um, the college football hall of fame. Also, I keep forgetting to mention that I've only gotten to see the lobby. We went up for a site visit. Um, and I got to see the lobby of that place and I I can't wait to go, go walk around that. It's a, it looks like a really, really special place. And then, um, the stadium itself, um, is obviously brand new, uh, there is some, you know, they just took down the Georgia Dome, so that's a big, uh, that's a big pit of of rubble right now uh, <laughs> that's right there. But um, definitely give yourself some time to get in the stadium early and walk around and just, you know, soak that in. That was one of my favorite parts about the Fiesta Bowl. Um, I was working at Virginia Tech at that time, but uh, wasn't going to miss that. So I was able to get out there and, and you know, just walking in there as a, as a fan and, you um, yeah, you know, seeing seeing the knights uh, that on that stage, um, and, and and in a stadium like that is just is awesome. The the stadium is is huge. Yeah. I mean, obviously the capacity wise is typically the size of an NFL stadium. I want to say seventy four or seventy eight, something like that. Um, so the stadium itself, capacity wise, is what a lot of NFL stadiums are. But uh, you know they pride themselves on their being a comfortable stadium and plenty of space, so just the 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 size of the seats and the amount of space make the structure of the stadium so big. Uh, so you walk in and I mean you feel like it should be like a 150,000 seat stadium, which is how big it is. Yeah. Um, but it's just because it's you know it's roomy. That's what the that's the NFL um, does better than anybody in the world is uh, their their fan experience, and um, so it's going to be a really really fun time. Uh really cool experience for all the fans gone. So make sure you get in the stadium early, walk around and really, you know, soak it all in.
0: Yeah, seat 71 for football expandable to 83. So I wonder how close we're going to get to um with that. And also I know I yeah, obviously kickoff is set for a little bit after 12:30 p.m. um but they're going to be starting things on the field I think a good what hour before that. So um, what would you recommend be a good time to wherever you're coming from to hop into the stadium and check things out?
4: Yeah, I would get in. Um, I'd get in an hour before, okay. uh, minimum, just to get in there at um, by eleven thirty. It gives people time. Um, the, where the fan fest is, where the UCF pep rally is at ten fifty a.m. Um, that's a quick walk. I mean, you're you're walking out the front doors of the of the George Royal Congress Center and, and staring right at the stadium. Yeah. So. Um, it's not like it's a long um, walk to get there. Um, you know, a couple things. It's a it's a clear bag policy, just like just like our stadiums to make sure. Um, you know, especially if you're taking the train in, um, don't don't bring anything with you except for uh, you know your clear bag and um, and just get ready to get in there. Be loud. we uh, we're, we're having UCF fans wear black. Uh, we put that out on, on social media. Oh, um, good call, and, yeah. And so the, the, the fans spoke. We we left it up to the masses to decide what the fans should wear. Uh Auburn is um we checked it them, they're telling their fans to wear orange. Um so we're going black. And then um you know, the the whole night lights thing that, that we introduced at the uh at the space game and then really took off in the USF game. This dome is gonna be dark enough uh that where you can flip those cell phone lights on. Uh, and you know, especially when UCF is running out of the tunnel, uh, when when UCF goes to kick off, as you know when we were doing it during the USF game, um, I think that's going to be a very powerful way for people to see on TV and to show the nation like how strong UCF fans traveled uh, to this bowl game, which is a which is a big time statement um, to to make with how many eyes are going to be watching this game. So. When UCF goes to kick off the ball, make sure you, you pull out those cell phones and, and turn on your flashlight. Good
0: stuff. And, of course, like you said, don't forget to wear black into the stadium. That's right. So, all right, cool stuff. Jimmy Skiles uh, from UCF Athletics. Um, real quick, if people have questions for you, how can they reach out to you or uh, folks that you work alongside over in the athletic department if they have questions?
4: Yeah, uh, personally, you shoot me an email at jskiles at athletics.ucf.edu. Uh, that's going to be the best way to get a hold of me or uh, on Twitter at, at Jimmy Skiles, because um, obviously I won't be in the office uh, to take any calls because we'll be up in Atlanta. Um, or, you know, we've got great, great guys running our, our social accounts um, that are pretty responsive on if you have, have questions. Um, also, the, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl Uh, Social handles. Um, They uh, they take great pride in their social accounts as well. And so, you know, if if one thing to remember for fans, if you're headed to the stadium, um, it's better to ask those people the questions on Twitter. um, You know, about um, about you know arriving to the stadium and all that. They're the pros on that. Um, We'll be getting up there probably a few days before some of our fans, but um you know, we're not gonna be as expert on, you know, certain stadium policies or questions that uh folks may have on what they can um either whether it's parking or arriving to stadium, so definitely reach out to those social handles uh for the Mercedes Benz Stadium and um and the Chick fil A Peach Bowl. Yeah, I know the Hopefully Peach Bowl is
0: uh C F A Peach Bowl on Twitter if I'm not mistaken, is that
4: right? Yep, that okay. sounds right. Gotcha. you.
0: All right, cool. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much. Uh, hopefully, I'll run into you in Atlanta at some point. Until then, um, listen, have a great holiday, man. Be safe traveling, and uh, I'll see you. I'll see you for the Peach Bowl, man.
4: All right, likewise. Charge on.
0: Thanks once again to Jimmy. Always good to talk to him. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. I'm, I'm hoping I'll get the chance to see him when I go up there for the game. Um, and uh, it, you know, just to say hi and thanks again because this is a big moment for. You know, all the folks behind the scenes at UCF who, um, who you, don't, you don't see, but you see their handiwork every, every day. Um, so uh, thanks again to Jimmy for his help uh, and, uh, and just giving us the lay of the land if we're here down there in Atlanta. So Lopez, um, all right, so this will give us a chance to um, give you our coverage plan for the game. Brian Murphy is, uh, is going to be covering the game live from the press box. We've got a live vlog set up. Uh, and we're do, do, using a new platform for our live blog that uh, that we found, so uh, this should be a lot of fun. Make sure you check that out. Um, we will also have Derek Warden coming up there. He'll be taking photos uh, of the game on the field. I'm so excited that he got the chance that he's getting the chance to do that. so I want to thank the folks at the Peach Bowl for uh, for their help in getting um, in getting our guys in there and uh, covering the game. I can't wait to see Derek's um, photo gallery by the way who's just been fantastic. Um, Brian of course it just goes without saying how um how amazing um you know his work has been throughout the year he's already covering stuff up there he's been going to practice and everything so uh follow him at spokes underscore Murphy for all the latest there uh, and then um and then in addition to that you know now I will be going up to the game and uh, and this is where I'm kind of you know <laughs> i don't know if I, I would call it pulling rank but um, but I will be going as a fan. Um, my son and I. My son's three, uh, and uh, he and I are heading up New Year's Eve, uh, and we'll be uh, going to the game as fans. We're going to that uh, UCF alumni tailgate um, event at the College Football Hall of Fame, which I'm really excited to do. Uh, and then we'll be going to the game. We'll be sitting in. Uh, we'll be. We'll be sitting in section three forty two.
1: Are you gonna give a... You're gonna give us a little video, you know, maybe a little Periscope, a yeah, little Facebook Live kind of do, fan
0: perspective. Yeah, I'm gonna do a couple things while I'm up there, kind of going from the fan perspective because, you know, like I said, I I didn't get to go to the Fiesta Bowl in Phoenix. I really wanted to, I just couldn't make it happen, and um, and and so I I always vowed to myself that you know one day I would I would want to experience a UCF football game, you know, as an alumnus, as a fan. You know, a, a a a big time UCF bowl game as a fan, and I wanted to get up there and do that, and I'm getting a chance to do that, and I'm sharing that with my son, so that's really important to me, and I can't wait to, and I can't wait to do it. So now, Lopez, what what are you going to be doing? Where are you going to be?
1: <laughs> I'll be watching the game on on. T- I'll be watching it either on the computer or you know on the TV somewhere. Okay.
0: Uh, so you'll be because I got in Orlando, a lot, of- but you'll be monitoring it, and you and we have the live blog set up for you too, so you'll be able to dive in on that too, right?
1: That's good. That is that is very good. Uh, I will kind of go more of a television standpoint and kind of peek in you're, there. Now I, you're I, going to be doing I'm what I did throughout
0: the year, like you know, monitoring the game from the television perspective as everyone watches it, while someone else is monitor is monitoring the game from inside the press box well, and the discussion continues.
1: Now, now the weird thing about it is uh, there's a very high uh, uh, the probability is I will actually be in a press box watching the UCF game because I'm working. The LSU Notre Dame game. <laughs> so, oh, that's right. Uh, oh, you are working the game. Okay. Are you doing stats? I am not doing stats. I'm actually getting post game audio for an audio site service, oh. MetroSource. So I actually have to, I'm making money. That's why I'm doing this. It's all economics, folks. Hey, right. uh, people, um, we are so,
0: all working, you know, we're all working people and we have, we have bills we got to pay too. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if you want me to go to the bowl game, you fly me in. That's cool. But no, um, <laughs> Uh, no, I'm going to the LSU Notre Dame bowl game. So I'll be in a press box watching the UCF game and the LSU game. So I don't even know exactly how this – I do know this. I'm not the only UCF guy that's going to be in the building. I'm just going to leave it as right. that. So I'm ha- I feel relieved about that. Um, but I am going to watch the UCF game. Obviously, that's the beauty of technology. Thank you, ESPN Watch app. I can watch it on my phone even. Uh, <laughs> um, so I will probably be behind you guys because you'll be there live. So, and right, because you've told me that when I've gone, when I went to the, when I've been to the games, you said that uh, usually when you're in the game, uh, me and Murph are usually ahead of you, for example. Is that accurate? From Yeah, well, yeah, uh, there's
0: always a delay.
1: So, yeah. So I will probably kind of maybe what I might do is more of, okay, what are they saying on the television that might jump out or what's kind of the the mood or, you know, kind of some things that I can see there. And then obviously the days following, I will be uh, moderating to see what the rating is for the game from a national standpoint. And then also from a local standpoint, remember, uh, the highest rated UCF game locally just in the central Florida area ever was that Fiesta Bowl, which did about a 17.4 local rating. Right. Uh, I, I My prediction for that, and I don't know if you agree with this, I don't think it'll reach that number because the Baylor game was a prime time game. And it's very common. More people are at home watching games and, at night uh, or at home in general than, say, a 1230 kickoff. Uh, Plus, I don't think the the, the numbers will be as big. Plus, I think there will be people that will watch the Notre Dame-LSU game. There's going to be people that are going to watch the Michigan-South Carolina game in the area. So I don't think it will reach that number, but I expect it to be a big number. Mm -hmm. Um, The question is, will it do a bigger number than the UCF-USF game did locally? That game did about an 11.
0: Right. That was a uh, big big number.
1: number. Do you think it will do bigger than that? Yeah. I think it will.
0: Um, uh, Yeah, I I, I don't. There are some, you know, there's going to be some division nationally from the other games that are taking place at the same time, but locally, this is this is the ticket. This is the ticket that people are going to be watching. So, um, I I think it might be, it'll be neck and neck with the uh, Fiesta Bowl. I don't think it'll outrate the Fiesta Bowl. I think it'll be neck
1: and neck with it. Okay, so you think it'll be around. You think it'll be about a 15, 16 range, we'll say, locally? Locally, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I tend to think it'll be about a 13. I'll go 13 to 14 range. Okay. Um, That's still a very good number, a strong number, obviously. So uh, that'll be something I'll monitor uh, from a television standpoint. Uh, So I'll be covering that. By by the way, so speaking of which, uh, so check this out. So I'm weekend-wise. So I'm going to the Heat Magic game Mm -hmm. on Saturday the 30th. Matt Williams. Let's give a shout out to Matt Williams yes. scored his first NBA points, uh, in a heat win over the magic in Miami. Uh, they're going to play again in Orlando. I'm actually going to hope to talk to him in person and hope to have this on the site, uh, or on our next episode, uh, and, and talk to Matt, see how things are going for the heat. I'm curious what he thinks about the current, the UCF basketball team, if he's following them and what his thoughts are. So I'm hoping to catch up with Matt and, uh, so I'll be at the Magic Heat game covering that. And then uh, I just got a nice gift. I'll be going to the Bucs-Saints game, sitting at the 50-yard line. All right, on Sunday, all right. Good stuff. We have, yeah, so I think uh, that's kind of my weekend there. So I'll be a triple header of sports there, but a lot of different things. So I'm going to be all over the place. Uh, but obviously, UCF game will be, uh, be watched. All right, switching gears real quick. Speaking of basketball,
0: Eric Lopez, let's check in with uh, UCF women's basketball, which – Um, I was fortunate enough yesterday—we're recording this Friday, December 29th— I was fortunate enough yesterday to uh, do PA for women's basketball yesterday for their non-conference finishing matchup uh, with— non-conference schedule uh, ending matchup with Davidson. Knights get a 62-54 victory over the Wildcats. Um, They start conference play Saturday at home, 2 p.m. against Temple. I'll be on the PA mic for that at CFE Arena um uh UCF uh, kind of just jumped out to a really quick start and then Davidson kind of came back. The game was tied at uh, twenty-eight as late as the uh third quarter, but then UCF kind of pulled away. Aaliyah Gregory another, you know, just another day for her, right? Four of eleven from the field, but seven to ten at the line, fifteen points to lead UCF, eleven points from Kayla Thigpen to go with seven rebounds. She was kind of all over the place. And uh, K.K. Wright had uh, 10 points, um, five assists for uh, Zakia Saunders, who um, was very active uh, at the point to go with six, uh, to go with six, uh, six points of her own. Um, and then, uh, and I thought UCF got a little bit of a spark from Laurie L. Wilson off the bench too. When K.K. got into foul trouble, um, she had a couple of big buckets in uh, some limited playing time as well. So, uh, UCF gets the win over Davidson. The Knights right now are, uh, after the 62-54 win, are 8-5 and five overall um, as they head into conference play with the conference opener against Temple 2 p.m. on Saturday. One um, thing I wanted to note about this team, though, is that they really look like they're missing uh, Zai Lewis. Obviously, she was a senior last year and she graduated, but but the three-point threat that she presented... Um, really was something that that I think caught a lot of teams, particularly in the second half of the season, off balance, because UCF could do this sort of inside-outside game. Uh, Right now, the Knights don't have anyone who can consistently shoot the three. Um, As a team, UCF was one of two from the outside, and it was Naila Shuler who shot both of those those threes. Um, The Knights shot uh, 40... Uh, excuse me, forty-two point nine percent from the field as a whole uh, en route to the victory and held Davidson to just thirty-four and a half percent. But um, I think that's that that could be a trouble. That could come that that could, that could really come back and hurt the Knights in conference play with the lack of three-point shooting, though.
1: Yeah, I have a feeling that's going to be the same uh, premise with the men's side. But uh, yeah, I mean that's certainly been a issue with the women's side. At least they're getting healthier because I know they were banged up at one point. Um look, conference starts right away with Temple at home. Temple's an NCAA tournament team last year. Uh so that's a big one right off the bat. And then they I believe they go on the road at SMU, and then they got Wichita State uh on the sixth, which I'll be at. So uh it's uh it, here we go. This is the time of year. So but uh, it was good to see. they kind of bounced back after that long West Coast trip and uh, you know, got a good win and but you're right. I, I I I agree. I think the shooting perimeter is certainly a question, and it's going to be a question until somebody steps up.
0: Yeah, as we look ahead in the schedule, they go right on. They go right on the road on Wednesday at SMU in conference yep. before they play uh, Wichita State next Saturday too. So, um, and that's at home on the American Digital Network. You can catch that one as well. But um, I, I that's Right,
1: see, baby. You'll truly will be on the sideline.
0: That's right. You will be on the sideline for that. So I'm interested to see how this will shape up. Uh, for UCF, will they find someone who can provide some three-point uh, shooting? I don't know. It's going to be tough to see. And uh, men's basketball, checking in with them. 9-4 and four record right now uh, after the uh, win at South Carolina State. But they lose the conference opener in Dallas um, against SMU. They're playing 4 p.m. New Year's Eve. That's Sunday at ECU. Um, that'll get, that game will be on ESPN News. Um, you know... It, the the missed free throws, I think, are what hurt UCF in this game, because they were right with SMU. Um, you know, they were down double digits late and kind of scored five points at the end to kind of make it look like a little bit closer than it was. But I do think that this was a close game, but UCF had a shot at winning. The six of 14 from the free throw line is not going to do it um, for the game. UCF uh, was led by uh, Dayon Griffin and A.J. Davis, who had 12 points each, but... Uh, nobody shot better than fifty percent individually, and that was Chad Brown. who was three for six, but AJ was four for ten. Terrell Allen was two of eleven. Cesar DeJesus was four for nine. Griffin was four for twelve. Uh, did make three threes, but um, but on the other side, you know, for SMU, uh, fourteen points each from Shake Milton and Jerry Foster uh, to go with forty-one percent from the field, and then and then uh, SMU was able to take care of it. Listen, SMU is a good basketball team, but. Um, but, yeah, it, it comes down to making free throws. UCF's got to make free throws. They make their free throws, they win the game. Plain and simple in this one. I, I thought that this was a winnable game. Um, and, you know, given that they, did, they still played without B.J. Taylor, who's not back yet, who's hopefully coming back very soon, um, it, yeah, I mean, good I'm sign hearing or bad play. sign, what are you thinking?
1: I, 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 first of all, I think uh, the word is, the hope is, I think that uh, B.J. might be back for the Memphis game, the home opener. On Wednesday, so that could be some positive news. Look, if they can beat East Carolina on the road uh, on Sunday and just get a split of these two road games, I think mm-hmm. that's a success. I do have questions about the three point shooting with UCF, uh, which is one of the things I hope to talk to Matt Williams about if I get a chance to talk to him at the Heat Magic game on Saturday. It's one of the things I want to address, and uh, how much. Can the guys improve from the shooting? You mentioned the free throw shooting. That's been an issue all year as well. So if you got issues shooting the three and, make, and free throw shooting, that's, that's definitely alarming because you're going to be in a lot of close games in this league, and that could be the difference between finishing in the top half of the league, top three, top four, being in maybe an NCAA tournament team, and maybe finishing in the middle of the pack and not being an NCAA tournament team. So those are definitely concerns that comes with youth. But the big question will be, can B.J. Taylor maybe offset some of that? Does he give some other guys some better looks by him being on the court? And, uh, you know, defensively, I think they're going to be fine. And it was interesting listening to Fran Frischel and Seth Greenberg talking very highly about this team. And they felt that if B.J. was there, they would have had a shot. Look, SMU's now now 132 at home in a row. SMU is going to be, in my opinion, is right there with Wichita State and Cincinnati. I think those are the three best teams in the league. And it's tough to win at SMU. So no shame there. Uh, But they're going to have to find some more offense. Got to get by East Carolina and then uh, hopefully get BJ back. And, uh, you know, the the key is to be clicking in the second half of this conference, because, as you know, come postseason, it's how you you finish in in late February and March is what the committee will look at more than what you're doing right now. You don't now you don't want to dig yourself a hole. But tread water, and I think the guys will be fine. So hopefully they beat if they beat East Carolina, they would have accomplished what I thought they needed to do, which is get a split on these two road games.
0: Yeah, and and, and I'm a little bit worried, you know, like we said, with some of those things. But, you know, I, I, I still feel like this team is like an incomplete grade without BJ. I mean, it just, you know, d- does he take some of that pressure off some of those guys that maybe they're feeling like Deion Griffin, some of that scoring load and, and Caesar de Jesus, and and to a certain extent, AJ Davis too. I, you know, I think that that's um, that's part of the other thing. What's you know, Taco Fall, I think you know was he didn't really have a very good game here, three for four, uh, but uh, only six points. No, and he bounds. needs to get and, better. Yeah, he's he, I, they, be better. they did a good job of bottling him up. I thought, right?
1: Yeah, but he's got to be more aggressive too, and and maybe again when BJ comes back, BJ can feed him the ball and put him in. Uh, positions to succeed but yeah he's got to be more active on the I mean he's a presence in there I I, he's got to do more I mean that's part of it you know uh when you're you know one of the you know top players in the league so from an offensive standpoint so we'll see you know like I said it's early um let's see what happens they're gonna be in East Carolina tricky game East Carolina's already fired their coach Jeff Lebo so but they're at home uh, you you just got to find a way, get a win there and come home and play Memphis and uh, hopefully get B.J. back by then and start that transition. I do think B.J. will help this team a lot and uh, I think will help the other guys kind of uh, get better. So hopefully that's the that's the key. I mean, until he gets back, you know, that's really we're just trying to tread water, which they've done.
0: Yeah. So uh, in the overall scheme of things for men's basketball, like we said, you know, now we're in conference play. It's time, to, it, it's time to go. And when they return home, the next time we see them at home, the home conference opener will be Wednesday, um, January 3rd, and that will be against Memphis, and that will be on ESPN3. And uh, the, the sort of that double dip at home Sunday, January 7th at noon, uh, against Temple at home. So keep an eye on UCFnights.com for that. Uh, and also, oh, by the way, that Memphis game, 7 p.m. Wednesday. So when you get back from the Peach Bowl... Um, be keep an eye out for that. All right, let's finish up here. Um, we talked about what we're doing uh, coming up. Be sure to uh, you know for the for the Peach Bowl weekend coming up, make sure you uh, stick with BlackAndGoldBanneret.com for all the latest. Brian Murphy talked about all the stuff he's going to have coming up there. We're also going to have a live blog of the game on BlackAndGoldBanneret.com with uh, Brian as well as myself and Eric chiming in occasionally. Um, we I will be heading up there New Year's Eve. If you're listening, I hope to see you. I'll be at that alumni tailgate thing, by the way. So at 9 a.m. up until uh, up until probably about 11, and then my son and I are heading over to the game. So if you happen to re- if you will be there too, and you happen to run it, don't be afraid to say hi um, and tell us you know ha- tell us what we're doing that you like. Tell us what you kn- tell us what we're doing that you don't like, and let me know because um, you know, like I said, we'll be um, you know we're open to anything that we can get. As you know, at, you know we've expanded our coverage tremendously this year, so. Um, it's something that we look forward to is, is your feedback. And, you know, you'd be shocked at how little of it we get. <laughs> so, um, so the more we can get, um, the better. So, uh, Elo, thanks once again for uh, a great year, um, with the podcast. And, uh, like I said, safe travels around town and, uh, and we'll be watching out for you, obviously at the, uh, at the, uh, at the citrus bowl too. So, uh, thanks again, brother. Be safe out there and I'll be talking to you soon. All right.
1: Sounds good. Make sure you go to the website, folks. Got my stories. Top 17 stories of yes, the year. Yes, UCF. talk to about this. Oh, my God. I can't believe we didn't. You got the top 17 stories, which is doing great for us. And we also coming out uh, the top games of the year. thought. Yes,
0: and that'll be coming out um, e- either tonight or tomorrow. As soon as I get the chance to edit it, it, you know, as soon as you get the chance to edit it down and and get it all set, that'll be coming out very soon. So keep an eye out on that. Uh, as well, And, Eric, thank you for that research, too. And also, another little fun thing we did, we uh, took a look at the highest-rated UCF football games on TV and put them all into a table for you. So if you take a look at Night Insight on our menu there and click on that, you'll be able to see that. And if you find any other resources that may actually add to that, don't be afraid to let us know about it, too. So that's always fun to look at as well. So don't forget, com. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook com slash Black and Gold Banneret. you can follow us at UCF underscore Banneret as well. Follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. Follow Eric at
1: Eric lopez
0: And follow Brian at Spokes underscore Murphy and our photographer Derek Warden at underscore DS Warden on Twitter. And don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe, rate, share, and comment uh, on our podcast, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in so uh once again thanks to our guest. thanks to brian for coming on earlier thanks also to jimmy skiles the associate athletic director for fan development at ucf uh, make sure you say hi to him at the peach bowl if you run into him because of he and the hard work that uh, he and his staff have been doing uh all throughout this week and all throughout the season as well so for eric lopez i am jeff sharon thank you so much for listening this has been the Black and Gold Bannerhead Podcast. We will see you in Atlanta for the 2018 Chick-fil-A Peace Bowl between Auburn and UCF. Take care, safe travels if you're heading up to the to Atlanta. Go Knights and charge on.